Hi, this is Tamson Granger. This is Dan Abuhoff. Tamson and Dan read the paper. Yes. It's Tuesday, April 4th. April 4th. 2020. Beautiful day. 73 degrees, Tamson. It's amazing. It is it's amazing. amazing. Spring is okay, spring. We're on the verge of Passover. Yes, that's we're true. On the verge of Easter. Right. Okay. And we're over March Madness. Last night, Connecticut. That was, that was a little bit pen, uh... anticlimactic. Yeah. Well, yeah. Look, Connecticut was the best team. They played like the best team. They won. I just didn't pick them. Sorry. Next year. Next year, our, our ship will come in. But do you ever feel the final game is really the best game? Yes. There were thirty years in a row. There was the best game. I I always you enjoy know, everything leading you know up why? to it because the game starts at nine thirty and you fall asleep at nine thirty five. That's the reason. But you don't like all the stuff, the the drama it's, it's, of the city. No, I like teams. the whole tournament. I like yeah. the, and and the game is the finals overproduced. There are too many ads and there's too much nonsense. But I, I like that first week where there's a game every ten minutes. Yeah, I, I tell you, know? you, you love basketball. There's no question. Basketball. You can't get enough basketball. So in any event, today is a special day because we have a film crew here. It's been an invasion. An invasion. An invasion of the film crew, which is filming a. Promotional film for Devil Boys and Plimpton, as far as I can tell. I think uh, Devil Boys and Plimpton is going to turn the corner here. That's not it. No, that's, that's not, not it. it. No, you're right. They're commemorating your retirement. Yes, they're very happy about that. Yes. And they, they're celebrating They're so it. happy. <laughs> they're making they're, a film about it. Right. If they would have made a film earlier, I would have retired earlier. They missed their chance. Is that is that it? You've been waiting for your moment in the... Yeah, this is it. it was, it's well worth it. The 42 years of Devil Boys were well worth it, right? Good to, good to get... The, have you been telling all your anecdotes? Uh, not all of them. Only did you tell Dave, Debbie does Dallas? No, no, no. I'm giving really. All, I'm giving them all the. There big... should be a a recording no, of no, Debbie does no, Dallas. No, you know something. I'm giving You're them. You're kidding me. I'm giving them the B material, Tamsin. The B material. We'll see what they do with it. That's my plan. The A material will be live. So in any event, um... I'm bereft. <laughs> I'll tell you, but you'll get a private What's your audience. Only good story. Oh, what I have. I now? don't say that. I have a lot of stories. So there's a. Uh, all right. A lot of articles, uh, but this one jumped out at me. Football Yankees, basketball Yankees, these are question marks. Brazilians don't care. They just want the cap. The Times intrepid reporters are reporting from Brazil that there's nothing more popular than New York Yankee baseball cap. All right? That sounds oh, plausible. this news? <laughs> this is in the New York Times? It is in the New York Times. So it's, it makes the news. A6, it's on the sixth page. You know, it's right there. This is a few days. Seems to be people have been wearing Yankee caps forever. In Brazil, it's a big deal. All over the world. Well, here's the thing, though. You're saying this. So why would they be Yankee fans? What do they even know about baseball? And why would you root for the Yankees anyway? They're the worst. So here's the reason. The reason they're wearing the caps is they don't know it has anything to do with the Yankees. It's just popular. It's cool. It's the cool thing. It's associated with New York. And it also shows up, according to the New York Times, in music videos, in Gucci ads, in stuff like that. And as a result, it has a certain cachet, quite apart from the sports team. So they actually sent a reporter out in Brazil asking people at cafes and on the street what they know about what's represented by the symbol on the cap. You know, what do you know about this baseball team? And they all said, baseball? What's baseball? They had no idea. Daniel, here's the thing. Yeah, what? They could do that same questioning yeah in the united states and no no no, no. everybody it, knows the yankees come on they know the yankees but yeah. they don't care about the yankees i like to think you're it's right it's just a fashion statement well I, apparently it is. i didn't even know it's it was a fashion statement brazil i didn't know apparently is there's a lot of pictures of brazilians with the yankee baseball caps so it's very persuasive that it's quite popular but it turns out they don't know anything about baseball so it's confusing, but the Times right, is on it. We must have something better than that. No, we have other stuff, but uh, I don't know how, far, how deeply you want to go here. Um, oh, I have a... Oh, I, 
here's one. This obituary, I mentioned this to you. You knew about this. This guy who made dumplings, right? Yeah. Made dumplings. Really? But not only did he make dumplings, Tamsin, he made liquid-filled dumplings, okay? Yeah, okay. So when you bite and, into them, there's and, an explosion of And when flavor. did he find $20? Oh, Tamsin, it's, that's, it's, it's in on. the New York Times. I know you can do better than Oh, this. my God, Tamsin. It's, uh, it was big. He started a big business on that basis. Come on. And, and we're all very grateful, but it, it's... Uh, all right. You know. We have to get those dumplings. All right. So here's a good one. Whatever the problem, it's probably solved by walking. Huh? All right. <laughs> this is not grabbing you either? No, that's right. Uh, tell me, um, I think we knew walking was good. Yeah. Well, this is by Andrew McCarthy, who's an actor you may have heard of. He was in the Brat Pack a million years ago. According to the Times, a good walk carves out space between thoughts, allowing room for clarity. And there are plenty of quotes in here about there is no problem that cannot be solved by taking a walk, that it gives you clarity of speech, it changes your whole perspective. They quote people like uh, Dickens, uh, Kierkegaard. You don't see Kierkegaard in the Times too much. <laughs> Nietzsche, Nietzsche's there. J.K. Rowling. This is an odd group of people, right? Uh, but and they all say there's nothing like walking. And here's the funny thing about this. They might be right. It is possible they're right. I know you've been doing a lot of walking. A lot lately. of walking. And I will tell you that you do, it does uh, positively affect your frame of mind. There's no question about it. Do you think it's any different from just the whole idea of doing exercise, exercise in general? I don't think it's much different. Can solve problems? Yeah, I I think you're right. I think you're right. But I think the notion is that walking is more accessible. Anybody can do it. And uh, and there is the sort of the outdoorsy aspect of it. And it it doesn't have to be a big deal. No. It doesn't have to be a mile and a half. Right. It can be a 10-minute walk. Right. But it it does, uh, you know, I think there's something to it. And And of course, it's the world's Simplest solution. Exercise is the world's simplest solution to a lot of health problems. And walking is... As a matter of fact, there's another article that's in the journal at the same time on the same subject. Apparently, there were three books. This is like two days apart about walking. One's called, guess what, Walking by Timothy Farrington. Here's one called American Emble, A Walk of Memory and Renewal. And here's one called A Philosophy of Walking. Uh, it goes on, grounded a journey into the landscapes of you know. There's plenty of walking books. You wouldn't have thought that there's so many books about walking. Well, the thing that I think is funniest about your walks lately, yeah, is that um, I've gotten you obsessed about the local bald eagle nest. The local bald eagle. See, you've even been taking photographs. I have. Did you ever think that someday you'd be taking pictures or, or of even a see, bird's nest? Uh, yeah, right. That's a little weird. But uh, but I've gotten some great pictures on the one hand, and uh, you know that's a thing. Well, for, for me, it's swimming. Yeah, walking is good. Right, but swimming really yeah is okay. amazing. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. You're not going to see any... only because yeah. it only tops walking in the breathing. Yeah, because when you it's swim, more rhythmic breathing. Yeah, you need to do that rhythmic breathing. Right. It's like meditation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's something to it. But the thing about the uh, batter is you're not going to see any bald eagles, right? Swimming. No, but sometimes I see some interesting fishies. Here's an article that uh, you're going to have a lot to say about. The best part of group tours, meeting new people. The worst part, meeting new people. So they're talking about group tours, and we have been on group tours. Yeah, we do all these bike tours. Right. We've done some hiking tours. Right. We've been we, all over the place. And what we meet with... Right. Europe, etc. Right. And the last few we've taken were back roads. And they're usually tours of about 16 folks, 15 to 20, let's call it. And uh, 
We've always had a great time. I mean, it's often in Italy. Some we had one in the Czech Republic. We had other other countries. We've had a mediocre time, and you know why? It no, was? no, we always had a good time. No, I always had a good time. Why? I'm thinking of one trip. Yeah, but there weren't many people on it. Well, that's the one bad trip. Yeah, that's the Czech Republic trip. You need people, and yet lunch was very inexpensive. People who need people. The Czech Republic. Yeah, I got it. Czech Republic lunch. Should, I wasn't going to name names. Okay. <laughs> It was that background? Word it will get out. That Dan. wasn't background. We won't be. No, it wasn't. All right, let's not narrow it down. Okay, my, but here's You're the thing. You're killing me here. Can we go back to the article? The article says, and the article is quite serious about being in problematic groups, being in groups of 15 to 20 people or even more, in which they say, in much of the article, they're recounting stories about person being a total pain, person monopolizing the conversation, person causing arguments. And they're saying this is fraught with landmines. When you go on these trips, you got to be careful, which is not the way I think about it. But then they How get... How can you be careful? You can't control who's on the trip. Well, they get to a point in the article, which I think is unduly negative, And then they say finding an escape hatch from a difficult uh, person can be particularly difficult. And then well, who do they go to? Backroads. They start writing about backroads. Back, Backroads, a popular multi-sport tour company, says it expects bookings to be up this year. And the company has learned to keep the average size of its tours to 16 people, which is what we experience. Safety in numbers, they said. If you have six or eight people, you have a situation where you better like them. That's too small a group, bigger group, right. you'll find something. And that's absolutely right. And they say, and this, I don't know if it's true or not, that they look for group leaders with high emotional intelligence and they count on them to navigate the situations with the exactly. bad people. Did we exactly. run into that so much? I don't think so. We ran no, into the opposite. No, because I think we had very good group leaders. Did we? Who managed to handle yeah. difficult people. <clears throat> yeah. There were people we knew were difficult, but we saw them at a distance. Yeah, yeah. We kept our distance. But I have to say. Because we're savvy group For travelers. the most part. And you know, right. I am not the most Pollyanna guy in the world, for the most part. Oh, I thought you were going to say you don't have emotional intelligence. Uh, no, uh, that's, that's later. Another article later. Okay. But the, right. the point about this is that uh, most of the people were great. And I remember going to trip. I, I can't even remember the group. The one you, we went to, Remember yeah. the ones where the, the woman... And her sister were married to these two guys. Right, right, right. They were the funniest people I've met in my entire life. Absolutely. But the yeah. night we started that trip, yeah. I cried myself to sleep. Because you worried about that? Because I thought, what? How, am, how can I possibly communicate mm-hmm. with any of these people? This is going to be But you were a wrong. Disaster. But you were wrong. It was great. I was completely wrong. You were wrong. It was... It was That's... You know, that came very close to wetting my pants oh, that, at dinner. We don't have to hear that. Those, oh yeah, but they were funny because they were funny. People, they were, were the funniest people ever. But they, had, but that trip also had some very annoying people too. Yeah, we managed to stay away from them. But uh, but that but you give a good example. You you know yeah, it, it's daunting perhaps. You never you, know. You never know. You never know. But the chances are it's going to work. And out. sometimes it was a huge group. When we went to um, Normandy. Yeah. It was a it was like twenty four people. Was it that many people? Yeah. And it just, we moved from click to click. Yeah. yeah. You know, you get kind of well, worn out. You've told everybody the, your best stories. You move on to yeah, the next But that's, group we were never at a click. That's them. the problem is we can't make the click. We, we had a lot of fun But with we bounce people. around with those people. Yeah. Well, yeah. normally it was interesting for historical reasons. You know, it was great. You know, all these trips. We had some wonderful trips. So, But uh, I did, you know, I did uh, at one of the beginnings of one of those uh, things. I stood up. Yeah. And you had to say something. Yeah. And I said, we love these trips because we're not with our family. <laughs> I was just trying to be funny. Yeah. And there were people... With their family. Who, well, they 
they were very unhappy with me. Oh, is that right? They were not attracted to me. Oh, is that right? They didn't talk to me the rest of the time. Oh, I don't think so. Because I think because they interpreted me as anti-family. Oh, that's crazy. Which is which is kind of ridiculous. They knew you were kidding, but they don't know you. No, they didn't know me. Yes, so I, you know, we come out on the side of pro group trips. Yeah. They, you know, they have their risks. If but if you have good leaders, that's modified. But the thing is. It is stimulating to meet new people. Right. Okay. It's also rewarding to see things with other people, see things through other eyes. Just like it's, it can be more engaging to see a movie in a theater with a crowd. With a group, I think you see things. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually, I'm not, I'm not sold on the movie thing. I know people say that all the time. I don't know that that adds anything, but but I think there's no question about the group trips because you're engaging with those people on a regular basis. And I, you know, honestly, I don't even think it's the leaders. No, but I, I, I just, think the leaders. I'm even talking about the sites because you're not a big sightseer, right? But sometimes you're looking at something, yeah. and somebody next to you says, "Wow, blah 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 blah." Yeah. You know, this is right. uh, okay. You know, and they carry you away with yeah. their Look, enthusiasm. Look, I'm, I'm no, I'm 100% on board with the, the, one of the major things you get out of this. Maybe the, the major thing. Is the the uh, group dynamic is a Social huge thing? Social interaction, yeah, outside right. yeah. your normal realm, right? Right. Okay, I agree with that. We have met people from all over the world, right? Uh, but I'm actually, uh, but, but I'm actually even stronger on that than you are because I don't think the leaders make a bit of difference. I mean, the leaders are usually nice, very young people who are very good getting the bicycles ready. But but generally speaking. They don't add much. And no, I, and, I, I disagree. And I, I disagree. don't even think, especially when you get to the sites. They can diffuse difficult situations. Yeah, but there aren't too many difficult situations. And, and, and when you get, you know, when you're looking at the cathedral, you're looking at whatever you're looking at, the, the leaders don't know anything. Right. They, they, they know nothing. And let me tell you why I like this kind of social interaction. Yeah. Okay, because yeah. you go to a party, you do small talk. Yeah. You know, that to me is never very interesting. Right. It's much more immersive or engaging or something. Well, if you're talking about something. To do something with somebody. Right. You're riding the bike next to him yeah. or her yeah. or you're, um, you've all finished some tremendous challenge or you've all been caught in a rainstorm. That's the way to really, I feel, engage with people. Yeah, okay. When you're actually doing something together or experiencing similar things or right. finding different things. Not, you know, just sitting around chit-chatting. Okay. So I recommend the group trips. Not every group, not every vacation has to be a group trip. But the group trips and, and our experience is specific to back roads and people like them, to groups of ideally 15 people, 20 people. The article had some groups of 100 people. And uh, I, I don't know about that. So what we know works is that sort of, you know, reasonable cluster of people. Numbers wise, and that's always worked for us. Yeah, we've never been on a big classical tour. Yeah, um, and, and I'm so wear- I don't know I, how those. Work. I'm wary of that. But, but, yeah, but, we haven't but when done when you have something to do together, yeah. walking, hiking, mm-hmm. uh, biking, you know, kayaking. Okay. Uh, it contributes. Okay. Anyway, so back to some fitness stuff. There was an article in the New York Times about. Measuring fitness without a scale. Don't focus on weight. Heart rate, exercise tests, and daily tasks are better health gauges. Well, hallelujah. I mean, really. Yeah, but it's it's been clear for a long time, it seems to us, 
that, you know, people look at your weight and I don't think the weight's the thing. And yet it's amazing how many doctors hold on to that. It's kind well, of disappointing. I'm, no, I think at a certain point, yeah. weight... No, I'm not talking at a certain point. I, okay. I, All right. But I have to say, every doctor looks at me and says, and, and tells me to lose weight. Yeah, let me tell you something. I have a doctor <laughs> and I, I don't, I, you know, I don't think I've been in a situation where I really need to lose weight for some time. That said, I, you know, the last doctor I had, you know, when there would be a pause in the conversation, he'd say, you know, you could lose five pounds. And then I finally realized after talking to some other people who use the same doctor and similar doctors, that's what doctors just say. They, 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 you know, it's like they all get together at some convention and they say, you know, it's always good if someone loses five pounds. It's, it's less right. work for the heart. It's kind of, you know, everything else being equal, lose five pounds. Right. Well, you know something? That's wrong. Okay? But, yeah. It, but. We, I don't need that advice. And nobody needs that advice. And, and weight is, 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 is not uh, that meaningful uh, an indicator. Of someone's health. It's not completely irrelevant, but there are so many other better indicators than that. Right. Right. Hopefully. Hopefully, yes. Now, hopefully, there's no hopefully. Fatness no, is no, not no. indicative you know, of you're, you're defensive about this, and I'm not defensive about it at all. Okay. I'm just saying it's just wrong. All right. Okay? So what do they tell you to look at? They well, tell, I tell you. They say to look at it? your heart rate. Yeah. That makes okay? sense. That's easy. We both have excellent heart well, rates. Oh, attention. This is not an advertisement for ourselves, but yes, it's true. Um, <laughs> so... So that reassures me. Yeah, okay. Okay. They also say you should test yourself. Yeah, that's... You should yeah, figure that's, out exercise tests for yourself. Yeah. I don't even know what that means. No, no, I mean, you, you do stuff okay. and you have one regime and uh, after a while yeah, it gets easier Don't waste your something. time. Don't waste your time. The article falls off a cliff after that. Okay. They say, uh, you know, heart rate's good and... Uh, know uh you get tired uh you know there's nothing else in the entire article as far as that's true because the end of it is activities of daily living yeah how you doing with that if you can do what you need to (laughs) do if you can't stand up when you sit down you know danger will rob one lady had decided uh, she was better off because after working out a bit she was able to lift her suitcase into the overhead Well, that's bin. not a small thing. I will tell you, I Without am assistance. sometimes sitting... No, I'm I, up I, for that. I would like to do some listen, exercises. I can't tell you how many times I'm in an airplane where I'm saying, this person, and I'll be honest, it's usually a woman, is not going to be able to lift that suitcase up. And I'm, you know, I'll help out if I'm there, but, you know, it might be a few rows away. And I am often surprised people throw those suitcases up there. I I'm, need to work on it. Yeah, you I need totally to, need to work on it. We should have you working on that. <laughs> Or I need to pack later. That's another way you could the do it. The problem is the books and candy going to the grandchildren. Yeah, that's the problem. These people yeah. must have empty suitcases. I, you know, I, I, that's I, all I can figure. Yeah. That, that, that's a, all right. So, uh, so one, another health thing. Yeah. Uh, there was an article in the New York Times about is tofu really good for you? Really? It, yeah. Because people worry that that there are things in soy that may yeah. cause cancer. It's, it's or supposed to. Frankly, I had heard. I had heard. Like, this may be urban legend. That it diminishes your masculine tendencies. Yes. Well, that uh, this article says there's no proof of that. Ah, good. Okay. Good. That's the estrogen because, aspect. Because you've been giving me a lot of tofu And I think lately. you have to eat an awful I, lot. Well, you give me, me a just, lot. This right. comes up at yeah. this time of year for us yeah. because the a favorite family Passover dessert yeah. that I make is tofu surprise. Right. I make an excellent 
chocolate tofu thing. It's fantastic. It's the best dessert. It's the best dessert there is that we ever have. Recipe, restaurant or otherwise. Recipe somebody handed it is unbelievable. To me and and a I million will, years ago. And I will say that my masculinity is not diminished. And it's rich. Yes. It's uh, very decadent. And uh, uh, and, and, uh, and uh, Hazi likes it. So we wonder about it. No, we don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but turns, wait a minute. It turns out that there are definitely good aspects yeah. of tofu. Yeah. Um, has a good amount of protein, and it packs a pretty good wallop in terms of vitamins like uh, B yeah. and uh, calcium, magnesium, zinc, iron. Right, stuff so like we're pro tofu. Some healthy, yeah. unsaturated fatty acids. Yeah. All right. In terms of it, you, when you're eating our tofu surprise, yeah. we call it. It reminds you of some incredibly rich thing made with heavy cream doesn't it yeah tofu has like even the the style of tofu i use to make this which uses silken tofu Mm. has about a tenth of the number of calories really that the same amount of heavy cream would have okay so it's a win-win all right tofu surprise we're gonna keep it in the passover menu all right so there was just quickly there's an article how to talk to teenagers about cannabis, you know, how to talk to your teenagers about your own, uh, about marijuana use. And, and one of the questions, one of the segments of the article is, uh, what should you say about your own experience with marijuana as a young person growing up? And I was kind of wide-eyed about this because they say the partnership to end addiction incur- discourages parents from lying, but notes that not answering is a viable option. And then what they tell you to that do after... That doesn't seem right. right. And then it goes on to say, uh, you should lie. <laughs> I'm not making this up. I'm not going to read it to you. I'll just say... Um, or they say, I wouldn't recommend that parents talk about their own experiences. Uh, Dr. Faramon said, it's not the same. In other words, that's the way they justify it. You can lie to your kids and say you never use marijuana. It's okay. Because when you use marijuana, it was not the same as using marijuana now, which is you know what we used to call bullshit. So, uh, but, but would the same people say, don't tell your kids about your alcohol use? I don't know these people. But, uh, but I mean, I, what's the point? If it's basically. They're saying that, well, look, it, it's as we can. Here's what they actually say they actually right. say, you don't want to tell the kids about your own marijuana use if you use it a lot because later when you tell them to stop, they're going to say, but you used it and you're going to be stymied. All right, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't mean you can lie. You can't fake your way through your relationship with your kids. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you, you, they're telling you that, that, that you, you can't, you won't be able to handle the contradiction. You might as well lie about it. That's what they're saying. You're looking at me wide-eyed. I just don't it's understand new, because I think you understand. Legal, people may presumably it, it, smoke in front of their kids it, at this point, right? It's not the people we're talking about. Are you just talking about your past? Yes. Your youth? Yes. When you were too young to know what you were doing? Yeah. Don't, don't just. I don't get it, it at all. But it's, it's you, very don't odd. Don't tell me you don't get it. You can't you, not get it at all. You know what I'm telling you. What I'm telling I, you is they understand, are... But if you're go, if, I mean, it just seems... They're saying that you should not tell your kids, if it's the case, that you use it a lot as a youth because your kids will throw it back to you. Oh, as a youth. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, I just don't. Uh, I'm thinking do about mean? do you when you talk to your kids about drinking alcohol. Hamzen, Hamzen, okay. Before you go, you're worked up. This, this is stupid. All right. Okay. All right. I'm not. I'm not here telling you the New York Times has it right, or that the people at the interview has it right. I'm, I'm actually pointing out to say they have it wrong. Okay. All right. 
All right. How silly is that? Yeah. It, but it's, it's not unexpected that the New York Times has Well, I'm not, I'm not here to, just to blow on the I'm New just, York Times. But I'm, I was just wondering if we're looking at it from the wrong it, it, perspective. No, no. It's just mind-boggling that there are these experts are saying, you know what's a good idea once in a while to, for your kids? Lie to them. That's basically what they're saying. Listen, when the kids are very young, you lie all the time. Uh, <laughs> you about really what? do. About what? About uh, everything. About just to get about them the good to the fairy next or step. something. Yeah, yeah. but that, that, that's the, Santa Claus. Yeah, yeah but the, 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 right. they're teenagers. We're talking about here. This is talking to teenagers about drug use. That's different. I mean, that's it, true. Yeah, I mean, look. I assume if someone used drugs, uh, they have a perspective that allows them to explain it. They're not a little, you know, formless blob. Yeah, anymore. but you're not going to get you anywhere. Talk to them like yeah, the you can't you can't blow them off by saying, uh, "Oh yeah, I never use that stuff." If in fact that's not the case, that's simple. Because they're going to see pictures of you using yeah. it or something, right? Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, with this uh, latest flurry of interested in the podcast, yeah. due to your buddies who are filming you, yeah. and so and so on, reminded me that uh, you know. Um, why we got into the podcast business mm-hmm. is because we always wanted to have. Uh, I always wanted you to have a radio show. Oh, is that it? And and of course, radio is now G O N E gone. Yeah, we can right? still do. There are ways, but go and ahead. Um, so, but then that morphed into we should have a radio show. Mm-hmm. In that case, what would it be? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, kind of what I was remembering or thinking about when we started the show was. The old-time radio shows like Ed and Pegeen and Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. Um, was that WOR? Yeah. They were a couple in Manhattan who broadcast mm-hmm. from their apartment, from their breakfast table, yeah. and they were reading the paper and chatting with each other and the kids and and so on and so forth. They just, but they literally read the paper and said, oh, I see this and I see that. And there, and there was another show, Dorothy Kilgallen, Dorothy Kilgallen and, her husband, and, yeah. and her husband. So it was kind of a an homage yeah. to that situation. Uh, so recently there was also an article in the Wall Street Journal about conversations that entertain us, and mostly to do with the media, like TV shows, movies, etc., mm-hmm. and starts out. One of the great examples is the you know the conversation in Gilmore Girls, yeah. and the the writer of this article says to uh, her daughter, you know, why can't uh, we talk like the mother and daughter in Gilmore Girls? Yeah, and the daughter just kind of rolls her eyes, uh, kind of thing. But then it goes uh, on to mention a lot of other classic yeah. uh, conversations. The ones, you know, Hepburn and Tracy, right. et cetera, and uh, Burns and Allen. And- well, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and they, they say, look, a lot of conversation in, in media, in movies, is to advance the plot. It's not for the purpose of conversation, qua conversation. And you're like, you know, what's that? You know, pick up the phone. Who's, what's that car doing? Let's go. You know, that, that kind of stuff is not conversation. So, uh, And they mention. Yeah. They mention Shakespeare. Yeah. It's didn't also do not, conversations. Didn't do conversations. There were soliloquies. His, right. his, his uh, great right. ones are. But on the other hand, uh, you know, uh, I, I do take the point that conversation has its own value. And if it's done right, uh, it, it is very engaging. And it's something it's it's worth paying attention to in and of itself. I don't think the article really nails what's what are good examples of that. I'll tell you yeah. right now. Now, look, Gilmore Girls wasn't good. 
Those conversations. No, everybody good. says that. And that are what they they say it's good. Yes, and I'm is, telling you that is quoted. I'm telling you constantly. I I know that, and I'm telling you there that's Let's wrong. Let's talk like Lorelai. I, I, yeah, though that was not conversation. That was written in a very arch, artificial way. The reason that the, the daughter in, in the example you read rolls her eyes because no two people talk that way. Now, but contra- what about? But Tracy and Hepburn is different. Yeah, that's a good. That's a legitimate example. Why didn't she mention? Sorkin, could have, could have, but Sorkin's uh, the West so, Wing. Yes, yeah, but, but but I'll the tell walk you what. And talk thing. Yeah, except for the, the is thing. that too much like the no. Rory and Lorelai? Uh, Sorkin would have been a good, good example, except for this. Uh, the Sorkin uh, relationships are all professional, and in a sense, they are talking to advance the plot as much as anything. We could do this. We could do that. The Republicans will do that. You know, we'll bring out this kind of initiative, that kind of initiative. They're talking about something that is a political orientation. Uh, and, and the people talking are political operatives. The thing about Tracy and Hepburn is they're talking about two people relating to each other as much as whatever the information is being exchanged. And jousting. And jousting, yeah. yeah. And they're playing with each yeah. other. Yeah, They're playing. And and same thing with Burns and Allen. Although it's, it's, it, it's through a very comedy artificial lens. But but they, the point that's, that's valid about Burns and Allen is that one of the things that engages people is some kind of tension, some kind of conflict, what you're calling jousting, okay? Yeah. Yeah. And the way they're jousting in, in Burns and Allen is she's opaque, and he's kind of on the, experiencing sublevel level of frustration in trying to communicate with her. But he humors her. But he humors her, and then somehow he it works with her, and it works and out. In the end, and it works out. Yeah. So there's, a, it's a, but it's a very specific uh, artistic approach. It, it, right. It's again, it, it, it sort of departs from the natural. I mean, they give Abbott and Costello, and actually, Abbott and Costello is not a bad example. A lot of the Abbott and Costello exchanges that turn out to be very funny, and I'm not thinking of who's on first. That's just the routine. Right. Um, are kind of normal exchanges that people have, and then they kind of just go a little bit haywire. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what makes them funny. So it is the art of conversation. That is kind of what we're trying to do. Right. Uh, More than once, yeah. people have mentioned they enjoy it when we disagree. Yeah, like or all the when time. when I give you well, a hard time. Yes, that's what people like. They like me having being given a hard time by you, which uh, <laughs> if they lived with us, they'd be in seventh heaven because that's all, that's the relationship, basically. You giving me a hard time. But that's okay. I, Excuse me. I can Excuse see. Me. I can see that you're being, you're shocked by that. Let's move on. Let's move on. All right. Well, we're almost finished. So here we go. Um, there's one obituary. Mark Russell passed away. I actually, uh, Mark Russell was the, the uh, satirist, played piano, made comments about uh, the political environment, uh, sometimes put funny words to establish songs. Um, and what I lost sight of, but uh, doesn't surprise me. Uh, he was a big figure on PBS, and he the highest-rated shows they had when he was performing there were his shows, uh, yeah. that he had, had a tremendous following. I mean, did you ever watch Mark Russell? No, not really. Okay. So I saw, saw him in person. He would appear at ABA and I trust conventions. That's the kind of highbrow thing they would do. Right. And, right. You know, he would, people would kind of titter at his jokes about the Republican administration, whatever. The, the, the thing about, you know, here, he's a, here's one of his better comments is, um, did he have any writers? He said, yes, 100 in the Senate, 400 in the House of Representatives. Hardy, okay. Har, har, okay. Har. I can see you're warming to this. This one's a little better. Uh, what's the true meaning of the Cold War? Answer from Russell. In communism, man exploits man. 
But with capitalism, it's the other way around. So, you know, <laughs> okay. But the, the funny thing about Mark Russell, which I didn't realize, uh, appreciate it, he, he looks like a college professor. You can even see here he's got a bow tie and a white shirt. And um, he seems, uh, as I said, highbrow. Uh, what's interesting about him is uh, he was a college dropout who was in the Marines. Mm-hmm. That was, <laughs> he looks nothing like that. He seems nothing like that. Yeah. Doesn't seem like the rough and ready type. He seems like, uh, you know, somewhat ethereal. But uh, that's not the deal. So, um, yeah. Uh, and he, he was he's, 90. He was 90. He's very interesting. You know, it's uh, one of those people I always imagined as, you know, 48. Didn't he always look the same? Well, he always looked the same. I don't think we knew him when, when he no, was but younger I mean, than you 40. Would see, you he would always see looked him the same on, age. Yeah. He always looked the same. Yeah. Age. And even the pictures he, here. He probably looked that way when he was 25. Yeah, too. I'm sure he did. Yeah. I'm sure he did. And the final article, which I found extremely interesting, is an article that's called uh, I'm Going Blind and Now I Find It Strangely Exhilarating by a man named Edward Hirsch, who's the president of the Guggenheim Memorial Foundation. It's an article, it's a simple article in which he describes uh, his experience uh, of going blind. He has a disease called retinitis pigmentosa. It's hereditary. So he's been going blind over some time. And now he's at the point that he's uh, legally blind. And uh, he sees just a little bit, but uh, not very much. Uh, And he carries a, a white cane. But it's a very engaging article in which he talks about uh, his experience. He said what uh, he learned, first of all, you know, he had a tutor in terms of how to manage things, how to, you know, get about walking on the street and whatever. And he, he talks about cane technique, which mm-hmm. is something he never, he starts showing someone how he uses the cane and the instructor says, no, 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 no one, uh, no, no one taps that way anymore. That's an old fashioned way of tapping a cane. Let me show you the way to do it. It's not forward and back. What you do is side to side. And there's a roller on a cane. Get with it. You need a cane with a roller. And he says, you get the roller and you got slapping around back and forth. It's fantastic. He said, the other great thing about the cane is that people see you have a disability. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, before he carried a cane, people didn't know. Now he's got this white cane and people help him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, you know, he benefits from the help. But he says, actually, people seem delighted to help him. They seem uh, to get something out of helping him somewhere. They'll take mm-hmm. take his arm, they'll take his elbow, they'll say you're about to walk into a fire hydrant, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And he gets something out of those interactions. And he, he goes on to describe how he manages and he even tells some funny story about, you know, his tutor took him on a trip uh, where they walked to downtown to Union Station or something like that. And uh, at, at, the, at the end of it, she has to get into a subway. And he hears the subway come by, and uh, she had told him, never rush. Your, your situation, you should never rush. But he kind of does a little hop and gets onto the train, and she says to him, that last move lowers your grade. <laughs> <laughs> but, but here's what he says, and it, it just sums it up. This is this fellow Hirsch. I once felt that I would rather die than go blind, and now I feel the opposite. Daily life has a renewed delight and vigor. I am learning new things constantly. The most ordinary tasks, like going to the post office, have become terrifically interesting. In terms of everyday life, I feel that I am finally in there, more mindful and alert, more fully present. I have chosen curiosity over despair. Well, that's a lesson. 
Yeah, it's more than than, than a lesson. I mean, it, it's a great article. You know, it, right, it, so that's Edwin Edward yeah, Hirsch. Edward Hirsch. He actually ends it, it was saying in the New York Times. Yeah, he says uh, he took a, a plane ride, uh, and uh, when he came home. Uh, a woman saw me searching for a cab at LaGuardia. She said, roll after me. When we hit the line, the dispatcher zipped me to a car and even laughed at my favorite joke. Quote, I look forward to not seeing you again. <laughs> all right. That's all we have. I mean, that's a lesson to learn. He's yeah. uh, making uh, lemonade out of lemons. Yeah. I mean, and it is the notion of fully present is kind of an interesting thing because everything is a challenge and he has to pay close right. attention to everything that's going on. So that's real. That's just not a matter of him saying, I'm going to be a cockeyed optimist. That's a matter of him saying, I'm experiencing life so differently now. I'm constantly alert. I'm constantly alert, constantly feeling, constantly thinking. And that's the orientation that he prizes. That's something. That is something. All right. So that's that, all we uh, have. We, uh, we have made it through the day. <laughs> and podcast. <laughs> the film cruise, yeah. the podcast, and on to the next adventure. This is Tamsin Granger. And Dan Abuhoff. With Tamsin and Dan Read the Paper. Happy Passover.